Yes, I would like to order some fried chicken, please. Chicken ain't nothing, but... I'll pour your logo. That's wrong. Get your facts straight. Chicken ain't nothing, but a bird. Ask me if I give a shit. <laughs> what kind of... I'll pour your logo. What do you like? I had this one big pile. I'll pour your logo. Welcome to another, um, what is it, episode of the Silver Emotion Podcast. Uh, my name is Will, and I am here once again with my friend Stephen. Uh, how's it going? Uh, going all right. All right, so we're here, yeah. and we're going to talk about the 1988 anime classic. Yeah. Classic of the genre. Um, Few more deserving of the title. Yeah, I mean, if if you think about anime classic, if there was a multiple choice test, this would be one of the choices, and we chose it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like doing weird run-ups like this, but then I always think while I'm doing it, well, I mean... They, they clicked on the They clicked on the <laughs> on thing, title. so they, they already know read, what right. it is. But I don't know, and you Maybe, know what it is, so yeah. it's like, well, who am I doing it for? Me, I guess. Yeah, you're... You like the build-up. I like the build-up. Anyway, I feel like... Uh, Stretch the tension. Yeah, here. like, well, I think it's a radio thing where I feel like because I'm doing this, I'm connected to the radio world, even though it's not radio, uh, and so... Maybe we need to uh, <laughs> set up a pirate broadcasting <laughs> radio van. Yeah, there you and, go, and yeah. Just, just put a 100-foot <laughs> antenna off the back of my house and just... Uh, Start broadcasting. <laughs> broadcast into the world. Um, no, so we're going to uh, talk about the anime classic Akira, or as you should say it. Akira. Yeah, but I, um, I don't know. I, I can't I get think it. I, I just have watched the movie enough that, and they say that so often in the movie itself. They do. They and do. so dramatically that it, it's Japanese pronunciation is kind of stuck in my head. It's it's seeped very, into your head? Yeah, there, there's several times in the film where they say it and it's kind of echoey and just all-encompassing. It just, is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, it's, a, it's a name that you hear and that you... Uh, you don't really understand <laughs> for most most of the movie, so it's like, oh, what is this? Right, and right. you're just—it has such power. Yeah, it's associated just this with this ominous so just, presence that. Yeah, and even just in the title alone, like, and you see it on the DVD and in the opening title screen where it's just the word just fills the screen. Yeah, it's just, just this giant thing. boom, and the manga <laughs> is like that as well. Just the manga covers are just Akira, just boom. Oh, okay. Just blasting it on you so it's it's definitely like a sledgehammer applied <laughs> to this name like you're just like holy crap it's akira yeah dang <laughs> so it 
it definitely uh, has a, a prominence in the film. It does indeed. It really does. So, before we get into Akira, it sounds <laughs> I, I it's I don't like it's weird. I have to force myself to say it. <laughs> yeah. Um, bef- before we do that, uh, we got a feedback. Feedback. <laughs> we got a feedback from Nick, reader of the site, and he says he comes out swinging. Uh-oh. <laughs> so get ready. Get my catcher's mask on. <laughs> uh, IMDB. No, there's there's HTML in this, so it's throwing me off. Okay, mm. so he says, quote from IMDB.com trivia. Quote, Mononoke, Mononoke means angry or vengeful spirit. End quote. Quote from website called... 1990s movies did you know <laughs> quote the japanese film title mononoke hime literally translates as princess angry spirit end quote spirit and phantom are very similar words i'd say so it seems if you buy the above sources that steven and i are both partially correct <laughs> Seems like. Oh, the wonders and losses in translation. Yeah. So he's he's coming out. That's not the end of the, the thing, but it just he's coming yeah, out so. swinging, saying that you're uh, you're kind of wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh. <laughs> How do you feel about this attack? <laughs> How dare he? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> spurge my honor or something like do, do i need to like throw a glove across the, yeah. the internet the <laughs> internet glove has been thrown uh, no, no that makes sense that i mean i've just phantom sounds enough of anger already in there yeah it seems like i've just never felt that needed to be an adjective attached to it i guess but right right um at the same time you're translating from one language to another you've got a different uh meaning to something even if it's the same word there's a different uh connotation to right things right that, uh they're clearly trying to translate there and from what i've learned of some titles i don't remember what the fucking title was that i I just read about this, and I don't know what the fuck it was, but the something about a flying fuck. What was it? Oh man, this is gonna kill me. Anyway, fuck it all. <laughs> like it almost keeps coming back. Um, uh. The the characters translate to one thing, but separated. The characters also mean something else, mm. and so then becomes the pun. <laughs> and so, um, fuck. I think it was was it a Jackie Chan movie? Fuck, this is killing me. <laughs> oh man, what did I watch? It was something about a flying car or something. Ah, oh, Jesus, this oh. is not good radio. <laughs> um, but maybe it's good podcasting. <laughs> Maybe, maybe we'll find that out. What did I watch? I watched 
Well, it was something about fucking flying something. Anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, my point of this was <laughs> the translation may mean both. Like, <laughs> like it just may mean both. Right, right. There's... Uh, and I think we talked about it, and I just forgot to do it. I was just, we should just throw it into Google Translate and we could see what it says. We could, but I have to do it on the phone because I yeah, can't yeah, do it on the computer. Uh, we have to be locked down to prevent hackers from uh, hijacking our podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not that. It's the it's the 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 latency. We get little clicks and pops if I don't. I had to make a little self-contained uh, instance of Windows that doesn't connect to the internet. Um, what the fuck am I doing? Mono. No, okay. Hime. Japanese. Translate to English. Princess Mononoke. Yeah, we got that much. <laughs> <laughs> Friggin' brilliant. Okay. <laughs> But see, like on the on the <coughs> computer, I can hit that and it might show me different different translations. Now, if I take away the hime, yeah, just do mononoke. Translate, oh, detect Japanese to English. Well, this is just throwing another uh, wrench in here. It says Japanese mononoke to English, a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> So that's Google's uh, <laughs> thoughts on the thing. The Monkey Princess. All right. We've, we've got a new version of the title now. That's very strange. <laughs> um, I wonder if I get the actual, like, the, the characters. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, if you can do a proper cut and paste on a phone. Yeah. But, yeah, so... Uh, uh, there you go, Nick. I'll I'll see you. You're angry and raise you a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> is it an angry monkey though? Is my question. Maybe. Oh, it's supposed to be Mononoke Dashime. Hmm, possibly. Huh. Well, that's what it says here in uh, Wikipedia. Uh, and surprise me. And has. right next to that, it has its own translation into English that says Spirit slash. Monster Princess. <laughs> so now we've got another. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, the the wonderful world of translation. Yeah, you can translate things many different ways. And now let's see if I do a dash hime if it changes it. Princess Mon. Okay, doesn't change it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised by the dash as hime is often used as a suffix to the name. Yeah. Uh, as Japanese frequently uh, has suffixes they attach to people's names depending on your relation to them. Oh, like Daniel-san yes. <laughs> in Karate yes. Kid. Yes, San is usually <laughs> uh, translated as Mr., as it's a formal kind of uh, yeah. way of doing that. Chan is the, one, the other big one that okay. people would know of is more in, of an endearment, of uh, like this is a close friend or okay. a child you would refer to as Chan probably, but... So like Stephen Chan? Yeah, it would be something like that. Um, oh, Stephen Chan. 
of uh, I guess a modern trendy version of Chan is Tan. Tan. They've started doing that now as this new younger generation kind of thing starting up has put that in there. Does that have a it's just the same I think meaning? it's basically the same as Chan. It's just a kind of a younger trendier it's, yeah. They're trying to be cool. Yeah, you know, I mean, language evolves all the time, and yeah, yeah, no different for Japanese. Huh. Um, Sama is another one that means like lord, or Ooh. that's your your master or something <laughs> wow. like that. Um, is what you would usually give to like nobility. Sama. Yeah, Sama. Huh. Master um, in in Cantonese is Sifu. Hmm. <laughs> so there's there's a bunch of things like that. Um, so. Uh, Hime is occasionally at least uh, spoken in that way that you would say the princess's name followed by Hime. Okay. So, so. Okay. So. Kabu- uh, peach Hime. <laughs> yeah, they might uh, <laughs> might uh, have to say that. I don't or, know what peach. If it would go, you know, there there might be. I mean, I'm sure there's a Japanese word for peach. Momo. Momo. Yes. Momo Hime. Yeah. There, there you go. All right. That, that would be Here Princess Peach in Japanese. All right. We're uh, fucking... Assuming that they actually use the Japanese word for Peach for her name. They might. They might not. Yeah. They, I Japan noticed... likes using English words. You've said that in the past, and I noticed it a lot in this movie, Akira. Yeah. They, they actually do use it sometimes. I noticed it a lot. They're talking about the bike... And they're saying controller room, <laughs> <laughs> and and all these uh, English words, and I was just like, wow, you know, they really do use a lot of English words. Yeah, they they do. It's it's become uh, just so commonplace, and and it seems weird to me. Like they've got to have words for control and room, right? I'm I'm sure they do. And so like, why why do the I don't I need a good word for it because like in Spanish they use a lot of English words. They call it Spanglish. Um, I can't say like I know there's English, but that English, doesn't but that's really. That's when they're just trying to use English by itself and failing. Yeah, and that seems that's, more derogatory to me. Yeah, it's it's more like making fun of when it's done poorly, like yeah, labeling yeah. the fire extinguisher hand grenade, which right. <laughs> and there's like a lot of Chinese signs where they'll have Chinese and then English, and it'll be like the fuck you bathroom or some <laughs> exactly. shit like that. You and know? It's just it's just the. <laughs> Poor translation is right, what English right. is, not the use of it right. as loan words in their language. Um, Where am I going? Because there can be changes in meaning or usage and just can't think of a specific example off the top right, of my right. head. Right, right. Well, yeah. this is the Silver Emotion Podcast where yeah, we, we, specifics are not our... Who cares about specifics? Our, uh, you know... Things throw, that we trade. Yeah, we, we, we throw generalities <laughs> around. Yeah. Um, so I like but, the myriad translations of Princess Mononoke. Yeah. What is, you know, it's pretty much just pick your own, you know, princess, yeah. whatever kind of princess you want. Monkey princess, angry princess, phantom, spirit, spirit. monster, whatever you want, yeah. you know? Yeah. Maybe uh, <laughs> something else entirely. Who knows? Yeah. You know, I mean, like a, like a good movie that leaves the ending vague and it, you have to interpret it for yourself. The name itself is, is up for your own interpretation. There, there you go. <laughs> I Although, put the uh, the characters into Google and it just said Princess Mononoke. So they, yeah, that's, that's really annoying. They've apparently the title of the movie has become right. enough of uh, a thing that they just 
don't yeah. bother translating. I've that. noticed that in in Google where the I don't think you've seen the Jet Li movies Once Upon a Time in China are about the folk hero Wang Fei Hung, mm. who Jackie plays in Drunken Master. Right, right, right. Um, and if you plug the titles into Google, it'll say Once Upon a Time in China. But the actual Chinese titles are Wang Fei Hung and mm. something, or Wang Fei Hung does this or whatever. And there's a long history of movies that just say oh, Wang yeah. Fei Hung doing this. Um, going all the way back I to know, the 40s. Looking at a lot of your reviews, like almost none of them have the same English title as the right. actual translation. Yeah, no, they, they translate their... quite differently. And so if you break the characters down to just Wang Fei Hung, which is a name, it will translate in Google to Once Upon a Time, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm pretty sure is not the actual translation of his name. <laughs> like, Right. You know, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it relates just to that movie, but anyway. Interesting. Damn Google. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to play with uh, fun things like that. Yeah. So, but. let me uh, continue on with this this comment. He left one, one comment this time. So, it continues, Well, I found myself at the local Asian store... And then he puts uh, the name, and then I have to try to figure out how to say it, which is uh, in line with the f- Silver Motion first takes <laughs> of uh, <laughs> right. Asian things. Uh, Got another first take going on. Uwajimaya. Uwajimaya. I don't know. Uh, so he was there last week, and in their attached bookstore, he stumbled upon the Ghibli film Tales from Earthsea, Directed by Goro, Mortal Kombat, <laughs> uh, Miyazaki. <laughs> Plug that into a Google and maybe it would come out to Mortal Kombat <laughs> who, Miyazaki. Who, and who knows? <laughs> who knows? Well, Goro is the... the yeah, the son. The, right? uh, Goro is the son of Miyazaki, yeah, correct? Yeah, Miyazaki. But Goro is the, the boss of Mortal Kombat with the multiple yeah, arms, yeah. you know? So. Yeah, who, who knows? Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's why they named him maybe he's he's named after the forearmed guy maybe he's actually got four arms yeah maybe miyazaki's son had four arms arms. who knows yeah and (laughs) um more silver emulsion facts for you who (laughs) knows who knows yeah we like fantasy so we we like imagining these things yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyway so uh based on Ursula Le Guin, Ursula Le Guin's novels. Yeah, I have no idea how to pronounce her name. I don't know. I've never known, but uh, very interesting, he says. He didn't buy it because he's broke, but today he <laughs> read sense. some reviews of it, and while uh, these reviews were estri- extremely annoying with the father-son comparisons, and uh, they generally gave the movie negative reviews, they were saying that it has adult themes, it's bloody, not for kids, and most like Princess Mononoke of the Ghibli films. Sounds like a cool B-movie-ish movie similar to Princess Mononoke. Badass. <laughs> now, you've seen this movie. I have seen this movie. I have not. Um, Would you say it's like Princess Mononoke? I'd say it's it's probably it's more like Princess Mononoke than other Ghibli films were. If, if you're going to put them in a spectrum, it, yeah. would, it would probably be closer than the others. Um 
<clears throat> if for no other reason than it's a pretty straight up fantasy adventure. Okay. In the way that, and not that Ghibli films aren't fantasy most of the time, but they're yeah. not like this kind of like Mononoke is what you would think of with like a Lord of the Rings or you know any kind of yeah like it you it feels like an actual fantasy adventure. It does that you would a typical thing where yeah. there's armies clashing and warriors going at it and stuff right right tales of earth sea is a bit more in line with that okay and most ghibli films kind of eschew that they go on to uh being more character studies or uh, yeah interesting thing like uh whisper of the hearts weird sequences which i guess right, it's with not, the cat yeah it's, it's it, her yeah. fantasy is not actually in the thing but they're they're less so of this uh or like Porco Rosso, where the guy is a fighter pilot and he just happens to be a pig, Except. and it's <laughs> yeah, you know, it's one, it's so. not really like you would think. It's not like Excalibur. It's not like right. Uh, They're uh, fantasy, some... but not what is traditionally thought of as right, fantasy. Right. Not your uh, Dungeons and Dragons kind of uh, right, adventure right. story that you think of the genre. Yeah. first of and earthsea earthsea is has a dragon yes. yeah it, it does have a dragon in it somewhere it's been a while since i've seen this i just so. remember the cover and the cover had a dragon so yeah um did i actually write a review of it for the site i you might did have not maybe i don't know i don't know i didn't think I you know. did but then now you're saying you might have so i don't know i'm I gonna remember... say no I remember uh, thinking about it in my yeah. head of just just talking to somebody, but maybe I was just talking to somebody about it. And I know I've talked to you about it. Yeah, I've I have at some in some form or another I recall expressing my yeah. opinions on how it played out. But I remember asking you about it when we worked at the library. <laughs> okay, yeah, then that so was not probably, that that would be what you're remembering, but I remember talking to you about yeah its so, merits. <laughs> yeah, and I mean. I would say um, it's certainly not a B movie. Yeah, um, it is your typical Ghibli quality. It's may- maybe slightly less, which I could throw down to the uh, less experience of yeah, Goro yeah. Um, compared to the other uh, staff members at Ghibli normally. Yeah, you know, he got a lot of shit because he, he's a son, and then he made this movie that wasn't like ultra perfection Miyazaki level, and then right, they right. started like just hammering on him. And and he yeah. made another movie. He he, he did. made Poppy um, Hill. Yeah, yeah, from up on Poppy Hill. And that Hill. movie's fucking good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I like that movie. That's, I, that's, that's a Tales of Mercy is a perfectly fine movie. There is yeah. not really anything particularly wrong with it. Yeah, I would say that um, what you could perhaps legitimately complain about it is in. Uh, the transition from the novel in its adaptation. Okay. I, I think uh, Le Guin, or however you pronounce her name, right. uh, was actually kind of upset by it. Oh. That she had seen Howl's Moving Castle, and which is by a different author, I think. Is that Jane Yolen? Did I, I honestly, Castle? I don't I'm know. Sure. I don't know who did it, but I know it is a book, yes. Yeah, um, and that one is... Uh, apparently, uh, the author of that was very happy with that ap- adaptation. And oh, okay. Miyazaki had taken that very seriously and very, uh, perhaps a, a more close. Yeah. I haven't read the book, perhaps, yeah. uh, but I think it, it was a more faithful adaptation. 
um, and Earthsea uh, changed a few things that Le Guin felt uh, altered the character or mm. of it in a way that she was not happy with. So there was complaints on that too that he just okay that she was uh, expecting the book to be translated to film differently. Right. Um, whether that means it would have been better that way or not from an outside perspective of someone who did not actually write the book and have this deep right, emotional right, attachment right. to it because of that. But I know that was a criticism of it. At did the you time. read that or see book? Um, is it more than one book? Now I'm kind of I thinking think, of it as a series. But. I think there is a series of it. I have read a couple books in that series. I'm okay. not sure. It's been, I've read them actually fairly, just, just a couple of years ago. Whereas the film I saw right when it came out more in America, oh, okay. so more that's been a while, yeah. it's been a while. And so I saw them, I had not read the books prior to it, but I have read a couple of the books since, and I'm not sure it actually uh, takes the books that I read. Okay. And I, my memories of the film and the books yeah. are too fuzzy at this point to actually really uh, say for sure on that. But yeah. Well, I'd, at some point, I definitely <clears throat> want to see it, so maybe we'll Yeah, I mean, it. it's it's not a bad film at all it's not the perfection you expect right. from hayao miyazaki but, but like i mean it's not him so no it's not i mean this is this, hold him to that this is the guy's first freaking film you know right. i mean it's not bad for a debut film from right. a brand new director and so there you go and then he made the second movie and it was fucking great so i mean how bad can he be yeah i mean i guess if you want to complain he's a bit more willing to dive into cg yeah, and but that's like everybody now. Yeah, I mean, it's just, that's the way it's going. And I, I'm pretty sure, I could be remembering this wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Miyazaki, Hayao Miyazaki, he's returning to make a CG movie. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that his next movie is an all CG, like he's not hand drawing it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. So... I'm... Um, I just remember in Earthsea and uh, in Poppy Hill yeah. noticing the CG in, and More I had so, never yeah, yeah. noticed CG in Ghibli films other than his films. Okay, and not that there I was never CG. I mean, Princess Mononoke used CG. Yeah, for little effects, very here little there. things. Yeah, and it was generally speaking indistinguishable from the standard hand drawn animation. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. I mean, I mostly could, I know like the the weird like wormy tendrils. Yeah, all and the, the worm and the stuff, mutated stuff was done with stuff, CG. Yeah. And I'm not sure it's just straight CG. I think it may be have been more something like a rotoscoping kind of thing where they yeah, used the maybe, CG yeah. to aid the animation rather than just it's just the C raw CG. In right. It. Um, and Goro has used more just straight, straight up, up CG. Yeah. And. I mean, it wasn't poorly done. It didn't look like shit or anything. I right. Mean, well, I mean, it's Ghibli. There's, there is a level of quality <laughs> right, that they're not right. going to go below. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, I think there's not really too much to complain about from Earthsea. Yeah. I mean, it's still a, a solid film. It's right, still. Right. I mean, I, I'm not going to put it up there with Mononoke or Howl's Moving Castle, but it's a good film. I'm right, but I mean, it shouldn't. In 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 different settings, if this guy made a movie and it came out Tales of Earthsea, and you didn't know who his dad was or whatever, right. and it was the same movie, it might have been much better received. Yeah, yeah. It I is think just, it would have been. I feel like 
I mean, you can't hold this guy. He's just a kid, you know. I mean, he's probably like fifty at this <laughs> yeah. point, but but like, right, right. you know, like still, he's he's making his first movie. I mean, come on, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just the Miyazaki name is yeah is what's throwing a wrench in. That. I know, but it's, it's I, people. I mean, I'm guilty of it too at some point, but but right. I just feel like, like, come on. Yeah, I mean, you gotta cut the guy some slack. Yeah. He's yeah. his own person, you know. Right, right. He's trying to branch out. He's trying to do his own thing, you know. Yeah, and and I guess there has been conflict between him and his father on. Yeah, because he's wanted to do this, and his father has been like, "No, you're not ready." And right, you gotta, right. You gotta learn more of. The well, craft and I think and he was critical of Earthsea as well. I remember reading something where it's saying like. He wasn't pleased with it or something. I don't know. I'm, hmm. Again, I'm just talking vague facts, but yeah, I don't know. But have you seen? There's a documentary about uh, Master Sushi Maker called uh, Jiro Dreams um, of Sushi. I've he- I've heard of that. That what? movie is very interesting in terms of sushi, but also in terms of just like the dedication to a craft and hmm. to the Japanese culture um, and how they look at like, like, uh, like how a father looks at his son as a successor. And cause his kid is like the second in command chef there. And his kid is like in his fifties mm-hmm. and Jiro is like 90 and he still thinks that his son is not ready to take over. <laughs> and he has another son that like started his own business at some point, And he's very proud of his son for doing that. But like this other guy is always like stuck in this, <laughs> this subordinate role and he never thinks that he's good enough. And, and like a lot of the movie is about that struggle between them because he's clearly like working at a, an incredibly high level working at one of these most prestigious sushi restaurants in all of Japan and like under the like crowned master of sushi like this guy is good but his dad is just always on his ass <laughs> so yeah i kind of think that's that sounds exactly like uh, yeah. what it is with so i the feel Miyazaki's like that with there, the Miyazaki yeah. thing yeah i think that's that sounds like what i have uh <laughs> heard and imagine the relationship to be but (laughs) so let us continue (laughs) this comment um also trying to keep this week's reply shorter well we're stretching it out for you (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh anyways love the toxic avenger honored to have my comments read on your first official piece on it L U L. There's that that good old L U L again. Lol. <laughs> Not lol. lol. Um, the site's heading about Citizen Kane and Toxie was what got me reading here. Well, that's that's good to know because I I have a love hate relationship with that. I with the the whatever the, the, the slogan or yeah. whatever you want to call it. I like it. I think it encompasses part of like my idea for movies like what i think about movies but also i feel like it probably drives people away at some level because they're like oh it's because <laughs> a lot of people are snobby about movies 
and so I've uh, contemplated taking it off and just leaving it like the title and just you know whatever the rest of the site looks like is you know it lives and dies on its own. Uh, but now you're saying that you you fucking started reading because of it, so maybe I'll keep it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll flip a coin. Yeah. So, but so no, but I appreciate the feedback on that. Um, he says I remember screening the Toxic Avenger for my roommates way back when, trying to sell it to them. Um, and then that gets me thinking: like, was Michelangelo on the wall looking down <laughs> on this? <laughs> <laughs> wonderful viewing of Toxic Avenger and your friends. I don't know, but I like to think so. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like to equate Toxie with the Ninja Turtles, and that they're both uh, big green superheroes that yes, uh, yes. were have been mutated by Toxic Ooze to become superheroes. You know um, what? You know what? I I read the other day, and I'm not sure if it's true because it was on a meme, <laughs> and I always like to research memes. But I read that. The toxic ooze in the original comic that made the the Ninja Turtles the Ninja Turtles is supposedly supposed to be the same toxic ooze that uh, was involved in the crash that then caused the blindness of Matt Murdock, who became Daredevil, because he, there was a crash, toxic waste, like, huh. fucked up his brain, his eyes, made him blind, and then it went into the sewer. And, and, and supposedly in the first um, issue or whatever, it was meant as an homage to Daredevil. I didn't look it up. I just saw it on a meme. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know. It sounds plausible, but... But it sounded plausible. Yeah, yeah I don't know. See, I always remember the ooze as being in the little canisters. Right. And then, it definitely was. And the Daredevil ooze as being like a tub, like like Toxic Avenger style mm. in the back of a <laughs> of a fucking flatbed truck <laughs> just I'd, spilling out on the road. So I'd, I'd have to review my Ninja Turtle comics, but I, I think they were in those canisters okay. right from the start. All right, well... We'll see. I don't know. I'll have to look yeah, it up. But. I do know that they were from aliens. So, oh, the canisters. Yeah. Huh. In in, in the act the original comics anyway. Huh. I'm. I there've been a million versions of right. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So who knows what the other versions all yeah. did? But um, they they were definitely from the aliens in the in the original comics. Huh. So. Well, add another shrimp on the Barbie there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that comic is such a mishmash Jesus. of just freaking everything, wow. I swear. It, it was in many ways just, just let's just throw whatever random shit we can think of into, yeah. this, into this comic. And <laughs> fucking Akira made me think of uh, Ninja Turtles too, because there's, the, there's like a little... There's a little dude, and he kind of has like big teeth, and he's got a little cane, oh, yeah. and he made me think of Splinter. <laughs> and, you know, and not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I, I kind of, I was thinking you were going to go for the big, uh, oh, ball the technodrome, that, yeah, the technodrome, no, I did ball think, that uh, that Akira is. <laughs> I did think of that as well when that came up. I was like, oh man, technodrome, that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, but I had forgotten that, so. Uh, let's finish this comment off. He says, I was not aware of the fourth Toxie movie until I mentioned it. And his opinion, and my opinion, of its awesomeness. And it is awesome, regardless of my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter what you think, it's no, awesome. It, I mean, it's a, it's a verified fact. 
the second movie set in Japan is pretty rad, in his opinion, my opinion, uh, both of our opinions. <laughs> it's weird because I don't know how to, because I've been changing pronouns to me and him and whatever. Um, oh, now it's scrolled up for we'll, me. We'll just have to assume that you and Nick are the same person now. <laughs> well, well, he likes the second one, and I also like the second one. Um, I should say that when I say that I didn't, like, I like the second and third movies, but I didn't think they were great. I saw them a long time ago, so if I saw them now, I'd probably enjoy them a lot more, mm-hmm. like most movies that I see now. Right. Um, uh, he thought that The Last Temptation of Toxie, part three, <laughs> was the last movie, and he've, he's been avoiding watching it uh, for a while now. So, yeah, I'm going unchronological now, and last night I streamed Citizen Toxie, which is uh, the fourth Toxie movie. Uh, <laughs> now, see, that even uh, bears much more on your uh, theme yes. of Citizen Kane and yes. Toxic Avenger yes. melding together into, yes. into... Citizen Toxie it is. And it's Citizen Toxie, and the subtitle is A Tale of Two Toxies. Oh. To bring in the uh, Dickens A Tale of Two Cities. See, Toxic <laughs> Avenger is a very literary it film, is. or at least I, the fourth one. It perhaps. is a, It is a very cultured series. <laughs> cultured in uh, black tutu-wearing mutants yes, who, yes. who oh. shove mops down people's Cultured throats. in the way that all trauma films are cultured. <laughs> I mean, they've done Shakespeare adaptations, the... They're currently in preparations. Their their new movie is going to be an adaptation of Shakespeare's The Tempest, Ooh. which I'm not familiar with because I'm not a Shakespeare guy. But um, I'm not super familiar with it. But I, I can uh, only imagine that Troma would do it proud. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will say my only experience with The Tempest is in its mention in the Sandman comics. Oh, okay. It comes up there. It so. does come up there towards right. the end of that series. All right, well, I'm a, I'm a ways away from the end, but uh, <laughs> I look forward to it. I am enjoying those. Um, so he says, well, except for the school part at the beginning, a bit too soon, I'd say, with that and the Columbine fucking nightmare in the late 90s. Yeah, I guess it was pretty close to the Columbine thing when they did that, but there's never too soon, I think, in the trauma world or in um, comedy. I don't know, I mean... Too soon is always relative. Um, yeah. But at this point, watching it now, it shouldn't be too soon. You didn't say if you liked it or not, and I'm going to just assume that you thought it was great because Why fucking you? Citizen Toxie is, is a traumasterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a traumatizing piece of wonderful filmmaking from Lloyd Kaufman and the trauma team. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to The Last Temptation. Stay safe during the apo- uh, apocalypse, during the <laughs> eclipse. Shiz dudes, wish I was closer. Nick. And that is the end of the comment. All right. All right. So I Freudian slipped apocalypse instead of eclipse. Uh, so m- maybe it will be. An maybe it will be. Eclipse. Maybe. There's, there's maybe. always a doomsayers. Uh, yes, equating Who astrological knows? events to Who knows what will the happen. end of the world. I'm also thinking of Akira and the apocalyptic events that happen in They're, Akira. They are fairly apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the, the movie opens with... Uh, opens in style. With uh, the <laughs> fucking bomb going off, decimating Tokyo. Yep. In 
it kind of struck me this time of seeing it perhaps so close together with Project ACO that it's a very similar opening to Project ACO. It is indeed. You know, I hadn't connected them, but when I saw it this time, I thought, there was a movie that I just saw that was opening like this. <laughs> what was it? Well, Much the now, same now as this flying car movie that I can't fucking remember <laughs> off the top of my head. So, someone will need to remind you of it. But, yeah, I don't... Or you'll wake up at 3 in the morning and just go, it was that! It's really <laughs> bothering me. And, and it's like, I can't... Like, what the fuck was... And it was clever, too, because it was like, oh, the flying car, that makes complete sense. Like, mm-hmm. fuck. Like, ah... Uh, can't remember what it is. I'm pretty sure it's a Hong Kong movie, though. Not Michael Jackson's Moonwalker? No. No. <laughs> no. Doesn't he turn into a flying car in that one? I feel like there is a flying car in that. I'm pretty sure there is in the game. The Sega game. You yeah. probably played that. You had a Genesis. Um, I think I have. Not much. I know more that I had a, a magazine. Like oh, okay. A guide magazine that had uh, some... some bits of that game in there oh, okay. and, and mentioned that he turns into a flying car okay and yeah I, remember, I don't remember i don't know how well how like deep into the game i got i remember getting playing the first part of the game a lot where it's just michael dance michael jackson dancing <laughs> i always said michael Danson. um and the animation of his dancing is fucking smooth. Yeah, it's so they, badass. They did some good shit for that. And he's got the fucking hat <laughs> trick going, yeah, and oh, uh, goddamn. Yeah, you know, if you if you like Michael Jackson, that's a I good, do. That's a good game. I do, and I was I was content with just watching him do the dance and, yeah, and doing yeah, some moonwalking just... in that first scene. I don't even remember later levels to be it, honest it does have in retrospect the the creepy aspect that he is going around rescuing children who are oh okay so and and whenever he <laughs> finds one they're like michael <laughs> and it's like all happy in, the, in you know old genesis yes, uh, garble yes. voice right. but <laughs> well it can't be as bad as nes garble no voice. no it's much better than Fuck nes garble <laughs> <laughs> but uh genesis voice what is that like that's Art- Altered Beast. That is pretty good voices. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's... Rise from your grave. Right. <laughs> Welcome to your doom. <laughs> but the uh, the classic pit fighter, though, that I use on the intro. <laughs> I can't do it, but I could put it in right now. I could do it right there. Oh, there, what a classic sound yeah, from I've... Pit Fighter. <laughs> The fists sound pretty good. The fist! Mm-hmm. That always sounded pretty good. But the when he says, just wait, it just sounds like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's uh, the Thunder Force games had uh, horrifically bad voices. but the, I don't remember those voices. I didn't play a lot of those. I, It's kind of like... I can't imagine those voices being like proper and intelligible because that would ruin the experience for me, yeah. I think. That I just... They're they're so ingrained in my head. Oh, I love the garbled, garbled voices. Yeah, yeah, no, no and, doubt. And I was very very happy when they they made a fifth game for the PlayStation. Yeah, and I got that, and it has the garbled voices. Oh, they just I was kept like, it? yes. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> I mean, they're higher quality, but it's still like you can't really tell what they're saying. Oh, nice. if you're just listening nice. to it, I and mean, it kind of like the power ups actually have the word under it, so you know what they're saying. But right. it's like if you were just to hear shitty, it, you'd yeah. be like. What? 
Well, that's good. I like that. I like yeah. where they they respect their heritage. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was it was a higher quality audio, but it was still garbled enough that I <laughs> I felt at home. <laughs> nice. So the apocalypse happens. Uh, bomb goes off in Japan. Right. Eighty nine. I think they said it was. Um. Yeah, yeah, probably about that. And um, the movie was made in '88, so. right? So they're saying, "Hey, it's happening. Yeah. This is, we're we're this is close." And I guess I'd have to go back to the manga to see uh, how that worked. I know I looked up the timeline of this just to compare. Um, the movie came out and was in '88. The okay. manga started, I believe, in '81 or '82 or something. Oh wow! And it was not finished until '91, so it took. Okay. So it was not actually finished when the movie was made. I've heard that the movie only adapts a part of it. Um. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's the the manga is so long. I see. I mean, it was going on for ten years. Right. So right. There's, right. There's tons and tons of of weird stuff in the manga. That my question is this, and again, ahead of ourselves, but who cares? Time is fr- a free-form thing. <laughs> we can pick and choose at our will what we want to get into. Um, the ending of this movie. <laughs> is that the ending of the manga, yes or no? If I remember right, it is more or less the same ending. Okay. I, I, I'm pretty sure the last line of dialogue is the same, at least. Okay. And I think there's a pretty similar... I think they're pretty similar. Basically, same... Okay. Because I was wondering, when I heard, oh, it only adapts part of the manga, I was wondering, does it adapt a section, and then there's a bunch of stuff that happens afterwards, like the Nausicaa? No, it's not like that, because it, it does end where I mean, it, the events play the out differently, thing. but right. uh, it, it's more or less the ending of okay. what the comic would, or the that manga made would s- end at. That made sense when I was think when I I saw the movie, knowing that like oh supposedly this is only part of it, and then I saw the ending and I was like, yeah, there's not really much to go from there. Like <laughs> you could go from there, but I feel like the interesting part has been told, right? And so it was just like I wonder what would be next if this is truly only part of the manga. So it's 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 good to hear that that's where yeah, it ends that's... because I feel that that's a great ending. Yeah, yeah, and it's this is an interesting one, especially because this movie came out before the manga ended, yeah. is that Katsuhiro Otomo, the director of the movie, is also the author of the manga. Okay. So he is one of those rare people who directed his own adaptation. Of, yeah. Uh, so he got to write and direct and be in charge of everything about how the movie plays out. And so that's pretty rare to uh be able to do that it's, for your own work it's very rare and i was reading a little backstory in this movie apparently it was f- it, this manga must have been fairly uh popular and prestigious oh yeah yeah because like all these companies came together to pitch in all this money to create this budget that was huge for the time yeah, I think it was like the highest budget animated film at the time. Yeah, it was like, or, and it was like seven or eight like big companies like Toho, Bandai, Kodansha, like all these names. Like, oh shit, they all came together. They all chipped in. They made this big budget, 
and the director said that the only way he would do it is if he had complete creative control <laughs> over the end product. And so they agreed, they all came together and all like, so I feel like if that, like they're not gonna do that for just some shitty, oh yeah, this guy's got a little idea, whatever. No, and like this anim- this manga must have been like the shit. <laughs> I think it was, cause th- this was not in a, a minor, uh, the, uh, Akira is not minor at all. I mean, it it's, doesn't seem like, like, it seems like they're really, the movie anyway, like, they really are going for it. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's, it is serious. And at the same time, it's very much like the manga in that all of that detail work you see in the film is basically yeah. in the manga. That's like, crazy. It, I mean, obviously it's not in color because manga is not in color. But right, but still, like, he is a ridiculously detailed artist. When and you and read would you the say manga. that manga is generally a detailed art form? Because I, no, from what no. I've read, I it's, don't really it's see usually, it that way. It's usually very skimpy on detail. If generally, anything. yeah. Um, it's very rare to get someone who goes highly in depth into more than one or two aspects of it. And yeah, it's pretty pretty <clears> cut and dry. And you know, Akira is detailed as hell huh. for everything. Like there'll be a scene where you've got people talking in front of a chain link fence and every fucking bar of metal <laughs> is drawn in there. Wow. And the background behind that fence is a building with like steps and it's all drawn wow. in there in between the freaking chain perfect. links and wow. it's just like holy crap. Like you can literally open that manga to any random page and be just blown away by wow. the amount of detail he puts into it. That's crazy. So what a guy. Yeah, it's it's in terms of manga, I can't really think of anything I've seen that has better artwork in it in yeah. term, and just the sheer amount of detail of effort in there. Huh. Just so meticulously done. And that's definitely it carries into the movie that the yeah, backgrounds this, this are This movie is I mean they're not <coughs> pulling any punches. They no. Just like Nick and his comment, it this movie comes out swinging. It, yeah. I mean, they don't fuck around. <laughs> they are they're drawn. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're like, I mean, I had seen this movie once before when I was a teenager, so like mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Right. And, you know, I don't know. Teenagers, they don't necessarily take in the greatness of things and i thought it was an all right movie you know it's like everyone's talking oh akira akira Akira. it's the greatest shit ever and i watched it i'm like yeah it's all right i don't know it's cool (laughs) i guess it's kind of weird but like i didn't i didn't take it in in any real sense as like an art piece of art right (laughs) watching it this time i mean right from the beginning it's like holy shit like not only is it impressive it's like it's like one of the most impressive animated things like I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> it's I would, fucking nuts. I would call this in the superb range of animation. It's fucking um, crazy there, good. There's, there's not a lot that I would put on par with this in terms of the animation. Yeah, and and like Ghibli is known, great animation. Mm. I would say for me, <laughs> this movie is above the Ghibli stuff for me. Just because 
Ghibli stuff is usually, I mean, it's always great, but it's usually like clean and not that it's just for kids, but like, yeah, it's, it's, there's a grit to this movie and, yeah. and, and I hate to say grit cause it's the thing now every, oh, make it gritty. But like this world is so like fully it's just, it's developed it's, and detailed and it's granular. It's not gritty. So much, it's granular. There's so much shit to it. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's just like impressive and <clears throat> it's, it's, um, it feels like a complete world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I like gore, so like, yeah, the, the you know the blood is fun, but <laughs> but beyond that, like, there's just I don't know, there's this uh, like a quality to it, kind of like Mononoke, where it's like it feels real to me. Yeah, like yeah. It, it transcends animation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would I would put this in the same category as Ghibli. Um, there's really only a few other things I could think of to put in there, like Disney's old classic animation yeah, stuff is, is up good. there. Um, Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust. That one's good. I think I would put up in that category as well. Yeah, that's a high quality movie. Um, is there CG in that? I don't remember. I think there is. It's not because that was an early 2000s, yeah, I think. Yeah. So it, it had the There's whole. There's got to be some, yeah. Yeah, it had the whole early 2000s CG, but it was. But I remember that looking done pretty good. well. Yeah. It, where it was used, it was not obnoxious. Um, and oddly, there's actually CG in, in Akira. There is. There is. There's more than I thought because I. There's clearly the, the little. The little. Wavelength <laughs> thing. There's clearly <laughs> yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And. That's the type of CG that I like, like just yeah. just flat out like because it's a computer in their world rendering something, right? And they right. make it with CG, so it looks great. It, you know, it looks as if it would look in their world, mm-hmm. um, so to speak. But I read that there was also like a lot of um, CG used, not so much in visuals, but in plotting how to draw like falling debris and stuff in the movie mm, so yeah, they yeah. used it like in yeah, the this background was, this was technologically uh very very cutting edge at the time when the movie uh-huh. was made uh they were doing a lot of techniques that hadn't really been done often or at all they were using technology that had just come out and, yeah and that's rare in anime that usually anime is like a decade yeah behind you're always saying the they're behind yeah um, they just the budget for anime is usually much lower, and so they have these cheaper, older machines usually. And Akiro was just it was right up there. It they was were like, yeah, let's blow it out. Yeah, they they <laughs> they pedal to the metal on that one. They were like, we're we're doing everything we can yeah. on this. Well, they did and a good job. I mean, it looks fucking dope. Yeah, it's... and they they had a little uh, documentary thing where they were. This was probably one of the first at least anime to yeah. to use uh they would actually have a computer that they would scan in the frames of animation yeah. and watch it play out okay. and adjust oh like how, a little animatic so, sort of thing yeah it was like this I and mean, they would take like the pencil sketches of yeah. each frame not the finished cells cuz right, they right. were trying to figure out the finished cells from this well this animatic um i don't know if you've seen any on a dvd but they they do real super like rough. It's usually just white or wireframe. Yeah, or yeah, that's basically Little what it was. Little things for like CG movies, where t- so they can see like, oh, this is how this scene is gonna kind of look or whatever. Yeah, they were kind of doing that, but it, I mean, they're all j- it's a it frame by pencil frame drawing, yeah. pencil drawings. Yeah, they would put that in, and they're like super pixelated because it's like 
88, you know, the computers are not going right. to give you a high res. Uh, but image, enough to but, see like right how the movement worked and how it was timed and yeah. any adjustments that they would need to make they could do before actually painting the cells and drawing the actual cool. cells so they were doing that for a lot of it and it was like yeah it takes longer but it you get a much better finished product from it and right you, i could imagine i i was thinking about about how when there's the scene where they're like the camera <laughs> For lack of a better word, is just rocketing down the hallways. Oh yeah, 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 really fast. And I thought, like, how would you draw that? And to know, like, how fast it would play out. Like, how you'd have to figure that out. Like, how are we gonna frame this out so that it plays like super fast? Right. And so, I'm sure that uh, like, that, that little was device one of those was... things where they probably yeah. put it through that. Right. Huh. Um, so that was a very important bit of it. I guess their audio stuff was like a brand new invented machine to mix the audio. You know, and- I, I saw that too where they said that um, this was they, – they recorded the dialogue before they animated it. Right. That's pretty rare. Which do. they said was like really unheard of or whatever at the time um, or probably any time. It seems like a weird thing to do with animation. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. There have been other things that do that, but not many. It's, yeah. it's more trouble to do. It can be more difficult to pull that off. Yeah. But at the same time, it means you're animating the lip motions to the actual dialogue. Yeah, which and is crazy. That's something to me. that always stands out to me in Akira because I kept here. That's one of the things yeah. I knew about it right off was. <clears throat> they recorded the dialogue and animated it to the dialogues. So their lips match That's up to so the phonetics crazy. a lot more than Jesus. other animation would. <laughs> Man, that's like so much work. And, God damn. Yeah, and, and they were actually uh, talking about that of uh, it. the animators were like, it, it allows them to put in the actors' performances a bit more okay. in that they can maybe make a gesture that wouldn't have been there before but because of the actor's performance that's true it yeah. feels more natural for the character to do this so we're going to animate him doing right, that and right they have a thing to go on right whereas if it was the other way around it'd already be done so the actor would have to adjust the performance to whatever was already right there. right and so i like the idea of having it done beforehand so that because visually you can sort of i I feel like it would be a more natural i think you do get a better product out of it yeah and well judging from this movie it worked pretty well this is a pretty damn good one i think nowadays it's a probably a lot easier to do since all the animation is done digitally now anyway yeah you can kind of go back and adjust things a lot easier i think yeah um but back then that was certainly like holy crap what wow like none of the people on staff i think had ever done it that way before actors or animators or anyone yeah but i don't i don't know that it was i don't i doubt it was the first film to do that but it was certainly a a rarity it's It's not something that gets done often right because it is so much more difficult to actually do i imagine but hey it freaking is amazing right when you see it in, a, in i would imagine that that cg movies are probably recorded first just based on the amount of time that they have to render out all that stuff and like right yeah i imagine that they record dialogue early in the process but i don't know 
of course. Right, but, right. <laughs> and and I'm sure they tweak the animation to yeah. match. And and even with 2D animation now, that's all done digitally. Yeah, it's you all, can, yeah. You can always just take off that layer of the mouth and replace it with whatever works. Don't say it like that. <laughs> it's, it's just, like, so heartless. I, I love the humanity of, like, classic animation and and yeah i uh, just like to hear it just all taken off a mouth it's like (laughs) yeah it's it's sad i mean you know if i was doing it i would love the freedom of the digital age and so i get it right i understand it 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 opens up a lot of but i just possibilities but yeah i love that but because the old animation is so limited that makes it so much more impressive to see something like akira right where they did all of this without the crutches that modern animators have. yeah i mean this is all fucking by hand and it's it is not a simple movie (laughs) no (laughs) there is a lot of shit going going on on. i mean Pretty much every moment of the movie, there's like a crazy visual happening or something. I mean, yeah, I mean, there was one scene where they're just showing the the guys walking down the street and they're with the girl girls and they're all chatting and having the conversation. Yeah, and it was showing like the just the the blank line drawings of it in the early animation oh, stages okay. and stuff, and they animated every character completely even though they're behind another character and you can't see half of them. Oh, wow. So it's like it's got the full animation of that one character behind. Like So they totally animated that character. It's just you can't see half of what they animated wow. because somebody else is in front of them doing their thing, and it was like, crazy. holy crap. Like, they, they did not cut any corners on this film. That's, that's <laughs> like something that they would do now where – the camera is not locked because it's 3D, so they right. can later choose, like, oh, well, let's do this or do that, yeah, and we can... all have it all animated already. Yeah. But, like, yeah, they're but... doing it right? They're... in a way that's, like, well, this character is going to become visible at this point, and so it has to be natural <laughs> what she's doing or whatever. And right, then... right. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's nuts. They're even doing extra work. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm not sure how far they go. Bef- I, mean, I doubt it gets colored at that level. But, I, but yeah, yeah, I mean. But the, the actual core animation was right. being done wow. fully at that point. That's crazy. That's nuts. That's so yeah, cool, so. though. It's like, damn, <laughs> they put the work in. They did. This is definitely one of the most impressive films yeah and just in in terms of what they actually did and there there is a is, lot this is respect. a full two hours this isn't your normal hour and a half this right. is i think a little over two hours how it's... long did they take to make this movie <laughs> like oh, i God, just I imagine it would take so long they probably started it in 1981 with that <laughs> the manga. I, I, no i know they didn't but apparently um they were working like 24 7 i can't it, it was like you're a shaw studio just yeah the, just crank it out just, just fuck man. um i know curiously enough the other uh f- feature film that otomo has done steam boy yeah uh, became the most expensive animated oh, film okay. ever made um i'm not sure if it still is but um and it took years. It took way longer than Akira to do. And huh, have you seen that one? I have, and it's it's not as good a movie. It's it would be hard to live up to this. But yeah, yeah. It's it's not the classic that Akira. I mean, I don't is, want to so. tip my hand of whether I liked it or not. 
I haven't. I haven't officially. <laughs> we we said. haven't gotten your your star ranking. I haven't officially yet. said. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's 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 an all right movie. It's an all right movie. All right. So it's like so it's it's very disappointing because it's kind of impossible to separate it from Akira. Right. Um, especially because the character designs in Akira are very distinctive. They are as they, they are, are in Steam Boy because it's Katsuro Otomo. He, okay, he's you know it's his stuff, so it's it definitely has his art style. Yeah, and so it looks like Akira characters. You know the design and everything. Okay, okay. And so you, and that's really he has done other anime things, but generally those are his only two really big anime projects everything else is like a short movie right yeah he's done a lot of he's done a lot of shorts so there's short films and little anthology sets like uh, neo tokyo and memories Uh, he did a part for short piece Um, i saw that and and i saw uh, i didn't see the movie i saw uh i was looking through his movies and I saw that come up, and I was like, oh, Stephen reviewed that. <laughs> <laughs> I know the, the posters for a lot of these things. Yeah, so um, he did do the character designs for Harmageddon. That's that's part of what I was reading about. He he required total creative control on Akira because he wasn't satisfied with the way that Harmageddon like, twisted whatever he had, had done. Or what? Whatever he wanted to see on the screen, it wasn't done. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. directing that one. But no, like, no, he wasn't. Whatever that experience soured him to the point where, like, if I'm going to do it, you got to let me do it. Yeah, and I think with Harmageddon, um, the character designs they they look like his character designs, but they don't. At the uh-huh. they're, they're not quite his character designs. And I remember in watching that movie, the director commentary on that movie was talking about that um, his designs are so distinctive that other the animators weren't used to animating his designs huh. and putting them onto the screen, and so it was they weren't really capturing them his designs perfectly. Yeah, and it like kind of grew towards the end of the so the the later scenes they animated looked more and more like his work as they got That's more weird. and more used to it so it was kind of this weird evolution That's in the very film strange. so but hopefully that's chronological it, and not it was chronological so it actually Jesus. doesn't you don't actually notice it when watching the film huh. but it was kind of so he was apparently animating the whole that whole film chronologically but that may very well have played into that that he wasn't yeah. seeing his characters on the screen he was seeing this mutated version yeah, of his characters huh. whereas akira they're very clear and distinctively his they look yeah. like his artwork and steamboy if anything is perhaps less so of that uh-huh. but at the same time it's like there's so harmageddon kind of looks like his characters there's maybe these few little short five, ten minute things that he's done that would look a bit like his characters. Uh-huh. And then there's Akira. And then there's Steam Boy. And that's it. And so that's it's pretty like much it, yeah. So you see Steam Boy and you're immediately thinking Akira. Because that's the only real visual right. comparison you have to it is because it looks stylistically not yeah. in any other way, just character design wise, because it's a very different uh, aesthetic to the film. But Yeah. The characters look like they were pulled out of 
<laughs> Katsuhiro Otomo's <laughs> character designs because no, they were, funny. and so you immediate it immediately just brings into mind Akira. There's no way you like can't compare the two, and it's just so Steam Boy becomes very disappointing because yeah. it's not Akira. Have you only seen and it once? I have only seen it once, and I probably should see it again. I wonder if you saw it again, if you would uh, warm up. Maybe. That happens a lot. I don't know if you'd warm to the point of uh, the water becoming steam. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, boiling. Right. Um, But but I feel like knowing, because for me, I know that sometimes I'll watch a movie, and then if I rewatch it, even if I didn't like it, just having my expectations set to the point where I I know what I'm about to get into, and I know what it's not. Yeah, that definitely changes you know. things, and I usually enjoy a film more the second time because yeah. of that. Exactly what you were saying. Well, because I think like if you if you saw it again, you wouldn't necessarily be holding it up to Akira in the same way. You probably will still think of it, right? But, but I I would say the when I did see it, I had been hearing about it and i had heard the negative backlash to it that yeah. is nowhere near akira so i i went into it kind of knowing that i was not going to get a masterpiece okay, okay. but and 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 i didn't really have any problems with it. it's not a bad right. movie it's just it sounds fun steam boy yeah i mean it's <laughs> it's not bad it's it's certainly it something lighthearted. To enjoy. yeah it's a lot more lighthearted. okay there's there's nowhere near the the dark yeah, depressing yeah, violence is and pretty fucking and <laughs> oppressive atmosphere yeah, it's pretty dark of, yeah um but i mean it's it's a fun little adventure but it's it's not a masterpiece by yeah. any means and when you then compare how long it took i think it took like seven years or oh, more wow, to make wow. that film so and it you know it was by katsuhiro otomo this huge giant right. this who's he's this master craftsman he made akira he's taken seven years and the most expensive film ever yeah. made and he's like this is gonna be an amazing you know it was right. such this a build-up yeah. to it this is the that, next anime and evolution. then you get a, a film that's just sort of okay wow. and it's just like it was just such a letdown from yeah that just all that hype yeah, so... Well, universally, like, it's pretty much like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I don't think there's any... I mean, there's I mean, there's got to be some people well, who I'm hate sure it. Well, I'm sure there's some people who love it. But I think in well, general, sure, in the consensus general. I've heard is that it's it's all right. It's just nowhere near yeah. what anybody wanted it to be. Right, right. And... I feel, I feel sad for it. For yeah, yeah. I wanted to... To be good. I, I will say when I watched it, as like I wanted it to be like just all oh, these people are wrong. It's right, awesome, right, you know. Right, you right. go into it wanting that, and it's yeah. just like eh, it's all right. I mean, well, I feel like I feel like you should see it again, and I probably should because it has been a long time since I have seen it, and I really ought to see it again. So yeah. maybe well, maybe we will I, I be discussing yeah. it again in a more uh, <laughs> knowledgeable. Right. Well, I definitely <laughs> want to see it. So yeah, it's. I was You're not going to hate it, I don't think. It's it's going to be a fine. Well, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, if I hate it, you're off the podcast yeah. forever. And I'm going to watch it with that firmly in mind. Arms crossed. <laughs> like, I'd better enjoy I this. better not hate this. Because <laughs> that's the attitude that makes you like a yes, film. Yes, that's, that's the way I go into any movie that I want to enjoy. Um, I was looking at his other movies just out of curiosity because I was... Uh, interested and he made a couple of live action movies as well mm. had you have you seen any of those 
I don't think so. Okay. There was one um, from 91, pretty close to Akira, uh, that is supposedly a horror comedy, mm. which is very uh, up my alley. Yeah. Um, and then there was another one that I don't, I don't remember anything about it, other than it was like 2006-ish. Hmm. I guess I'll have to look into those. Yeah, more. I don't know. And, uh, I don't know how. I don't really know anything about them. So. Yeah. Well, I'll say this about Akira. I didn't like it <laughs> when I was younger. <laughs> Coming into it this time. I had my arms crossed and I was like, this movie. No, I I was very open to it. And I was very pleasantly surprised to see that not only did I like it, I was completely blown away to the point of like, what the fuck was I thinking (laughs) when I was a kid? Like, why didn't this like... Because I remember being kind of like, I didn't know what the hell was going on at certain points. And I'm watching it this time. And I'm like, I don't know. What the fuck, Will? <laughs> it's not that hard to follow. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah. At its core, it's a pretty simple story. It's pretty basic. It's, I don't it's... know. I guess my tolerance for like weird stuff or, or I, I don't know. It was there's... just low. I don't know. There is kind of a level of complexity to things of there's these hallucinatory scenes. There's a lot of thematic content of yeah. of philosophizing about human abilities and powers and right. things. But at the same time, that's that's like the the level underneath the main plot. Like yeah. The main plot itself is just the, a basic action the, adventure. Right. The basics are pretty... <clears throat> pretty simple and like i don't i mean i can't remember what the hell my problem was but i remember enjoying it and then the the giant baby comes and i was just like what the fuck is going on i don't get it i see at this time i mean it doesn't make sense necessarily but (laughs) i'm sure there's a reason and that's kind of my big takeaway for this movie is like i understand it at a at a shallow base level watching it this time but i also feel like when i see other movies um like 2001 is a great example mm-hmm. and i don't remember if i said it on the podcast but i was telling you about um the the spacewalk scene in 2001 like awakening mm, yeah. me to right to the directorial like choices mm-hmm. and how he chose to just have the the breathing and there's a scene in this movie where Tetsuo shoots off into space. Oh, yeah. That's very... And it's silent, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was reminded of that moment um, from Kubrick's movie. And it was just another like thing that made me think of, like, this guy, Otomo, as you say. That's his last name? Yeah. Well, family name anyway. Yes, right, right, right. Um, I was just thinking, like, God damn, this guy is, he's, this he's the real deal. This guy is not just making a movie. Like, he's an artist. Yeah. <laughs> this guy is, he knows exactly what he's trying to do. 
he knows exactly how to do it and because he had control of the whole project he did it (laughs) and so not only is there like a great um surface level visuals it's amazing it's weird it's cool amazing animation whatever there's also like a lot of layers beneath it and so oftentimes in movies i enjoy not necessarily understanding all of the layers but just understanding that there are layers (laughs) (laughs) makes me really like a movie right um and so i found that to be the case in akira yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, takeaway you can uh, get out of this film if you want to dive into the odd philosophy of it. Maybe yeah. not philosophy, maybe I don't know, maybe even anthropology of it. Just it's, like it's, all kinds of things. Yeah, the thing I was most focusing on this time um, was how, like, um, power like the 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 idea of power the dynamics of power like right tetsuo was a character that from a very early age was uh being beaten up and made fun of and having to have like this rescuer sort of character right and i don't remember that guy's name canada yes you'd think that would be an easy name to remember isn't yes i remembered it because at the end when they kept saying his name i was like oh it's just like canada (laughs) (laughs) but it's but they say it a little bit differently yeah um the a's are more like the a and father yes yes canada (laughs) um and so their dynamics were like protector and Mm -hmm. uh whatever (laughs) needing to be protected Right, and then that s- switches, and then they play with that a lot. And then there's also like yeah, there's other instances of that where there's like dynamics of power coming to fight together, where there's like the clowns and the mm, yeah, whatever the other guys were. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they have an, an they didn't have a name like I the clowns. Know. Yeah, I think, um, yeah. So like the they're fighting, and there was yeah, there's there's a lot of that going on like. In, that kind of a struggle yeah, there's, there's there's the struggle between the colonel and the council there's that there's the struggle between the government and the anti-government protesters right there, right. there is a lot of like in those protesters i don't know what like what are they even trying to do or do they even know what they because it seems like like they were trying to get the the shriveled kids out but for what purpose like yeah, there's what do they even there's a lot of this weird political subterfuge going on in there yeah. that is not heavily delved into. And maybe that's in the comic. And the the comic does go a lot more into that. I yeah. remember reading the comic and still being kind of confused on that right. though. Well, so. and I don't need it explained. Like I don't even I'll probably read the comic at some point cuz I like this, but I don't like I like some of that stuff not being explained because mm-hmm. To me, it makes it feel more like a world that's existing and we're watching this story play Mm -hmm. out. And like a lot of like modern movies, a lot of times will try to explain like every little point. And it's just like, okay, 
there's where's the fun of the fantasy like <laughs> yeah you know and that's why i like phil dick books so much because he d- he just jumps in page one it's just like here's this fucking world figure it out mm-hmm. and then eventually you know you start to okay this these are the rules of this world and this is what's going on and whatever yeah um and so i like that and i don't necessarily need everything explained but honestly like i don't know what they were fucking doing <laughs> They're I, trying to get the kids out. They're trying to... They, I think the the guys who are trying to get the kids out, I think they were actual, like... They were an actual, like, spy group. Yeah. And they were just trying to get information, I think, and perhaps the kids as a source of information or okay. something they could expose as a public... That uh, makes sense, yeah. And I think... But then you, you get to just the rioters, and you know, they're just rioters. They're just... Right, they're unsatisfied with life and seeing an opportunity to take out their anger. But yes, that was the other, those those uh, those believers in Akira as yeah. Lord Akira, and just the idea also that I'm always thinking of because of Woody Allen movies of the 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 the, the dynamics between belief and knowledge and like people who choose to believe or i mean you could science and religion or whatever this sort of human struggle of what do you put your 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 time into or whatever i don't know it's just all these questions yeah there's there's a lot of that and i know and specifically in with those those believers and stuff and in the manga there's a lot more of that um, they like they're this whole cult that starts worshiping Tetsuo, I think. Oh, and okay. Like he's he actually becomes at some point like the leader of the clowns. It's kind of weird. Oh, like wow. it just like, there's a lot of wow. just whole tons of shit going on in the manga that that's huh. just it goes all over the place. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of themes of that going on. There's um this ties in kind of as so many uh japanese stories from this era and uh, maybe not so much by the 80s but of of nuclear warfare no they're definitely yeah they have a big uh i wonder why they have a big uh <laughs> they have a big fixation on that yeah. yeah they they like to um, engage that and and like uh say godzilla and gamera there's a uh this kind of takeaway of what nuclear power means what yes what is going to happen to that and i think there's also uh there's a generation here there's a generation transition here that i think and this time through it i'm thinking of this in that there's very much this uh rebellious youth aspect to the film yeah and there's also a lot of older established people like the colonel like the scientists Uh, the spies, to an extent, are these people who are older and have existed and lived in this world. They have they've right. fought and created this world. And <clears throat> to go into Japanese history, at just a tad, we've got the nuclear bombs going off. We've got yes. these, you know, we've got these people who the generation that lived through World War II, and the generation after that who grew up rebuilding the entire country from rubble. Yeah, you you have these generations that were very. Uh, dedicated to and had to be dedicated to work. They rose Japan up to this technological powerhouse of a country. Yeah, they really bounced back. They and that took a shit ton of effort. You know, there was no lax attitude in this. Yeah. And now you get to this point in the '80s where they are this established uh, country 
they're they're at the top of the economic ladder right they're they're neck and neck with any other country economically technologically socially all of this stuff they're they're at the edge and so now you suddenly have this youth culture that does not need to put out this tremendous volume Um, of effort into building that it's already built it's already there they're already a part of it and so there's this and so we get into this point and like battle royale does this uh kind of a same concept where you have this rebellious youth culture going on and you have these older stodgier characters who are like kids these days or being (laughs) and you know and there's some of that to it but there's also this so there's this kind of this theme here i think going on with akira of not only like what do you do with nuclear power and the failures of it in the past but also what is going to happen when this new, younger, angry generation gets a hold of this and becomes the the stewards of this, this nuclear yeah. power? And that's when you get Tetsuo and Very you get much this so, yeah. crazy cult, and you get right. like what's going to happen here? What is the what horrors will this bring, and what dangers are we going to have to face there? Right, and and in a similar way, um, the generation. I think of this a lot with with video games <laughs> hang with me <laughs> um but the generation with that grew up in world war ii um that fought in world war ii or that were um older during world war ii whatever mm-hmm. they also saw the evolution to a certain extent before there were nuclear bombs like they remember the invention of the nuclear bomb and then it was dropped and so they remember that escalation and they have some kind of an understanding of of the power that that the nuke represents because they were they understand like how much more powerful it was than whatever else they had and they saw it drop i mean there's have you ever read the the book uh hiroshima i forget who wrote it but it's um it's like a a docu novel or something mm. about these people that survived hiroshima it's an amazing book it's like a book that they teach in school but i never read it in school i read it when i worked at the library that mm. book is fucking amazing and so you learn like in through that book like there's there's people that were in Hiroshima that were able to survive. And so like mm-hmm. they, they saw the shit and so right, they right. respect that power and they're not yeah. necessarily going to jump into it. Whereas a newer generation, they're growing up in a world where people are talking about nukes and they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then eventually they learn that it's this big thing, but they don't necessarily have that same understanding of we started here then nukes right, are way right. the fuck up here. And so there, it's like a standard playing field, kind of, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I feel the same way about video games and the internet, where like I and you, we grew up in a time where video games began at a very base level sort right, of thing. Right. And then we grew up with the games. And so like for me, I don't care about the graphics past a certain point because they all fucking look good to me. Mm-hmm. Right, I right. still remember fucking atari and and you know like i still think that that's fine in some respects as well (laughs) but like a new kid 
you know, they don't, they just, they don't look at it the same way. Right. And like the internet, <clears throat> I grew up in a time where there was no internet. <laughs> right, right. And so I respect it and I understand it. Whereas a kid now on a screen at all times, they don't get like the ideas of, of how it works or whatever in the same way. They don't necessarily use, they don't understand the power of it. Like there's kids that, that get abducted and shit because they're stupid and they don't understand that like, oh, this is like real shit. <laughs> this isn't <laughs> just a shit on a screen. Yeah. You know, this, this is a real deal. Has effects on the world. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, the, the nuke go. level is like <laughs> a, much a, a higher. Different category. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> different but scale. It, but I mean, even in, in right now, on the brink of a possible nuclear war uh, with North Korea and, and Trump, yeah, I mean Trump's old enough to where he grew up. At some point, I don't know when he was born, but he's, he's old enough his, to know better. He's in his seventies. Yeah, he's. But like um, Kim Jong Un, he's a pretty young guy. He's a young dude. I mean, he. Yeah. I think he's younger than than us. Yeah, I think. I don't know. Be. He might be. But mm. like, he's he's this guy who that has the power, and he's. He's got the power because he yeah, was the he kid. Is, he, you know? He's basically Tetsuo. Right. And that's a scary thought. Right. And he's <laughs> gaining this power, and now they're supposedly able to shoot all the way to California. Yeah. They've... Yeah. These are the crazy the, the times, you know? And yeah. and this and this movie takes place in 2019. Yeah. Only only a couple years away. Only a couple years away. Who... Yeah. It's pretty spot on. Yeah. I mean, obviously not spot on. Yeah, we we don't quite have lasers. Not literally. <laughs> we don't have lasers. We can't uh we don't have a little flying hover sewer right. jet thing. Those things are fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like a speeder bike. Yeah, they're Return kind of like the speeder Jedi, bikes you know? with gatling guns. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty fucking dope. Th those are awesome. Um, I love the noise they make too. Yeah, yeah. And that shit when they, uh, that sh that shit because I watched with headphones, <laughs> and that shit sounded like it was like way the fuck over here, and I was like, what is that? I thought it was something that was happening outside, and so I stopped it, and I was like, what was that? I had to zip it back. And, okay, no, it was it was definitely on the the the, the movie. Weird. Um. And that when they go in the the elevator with it, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. It's just so badass. I don't know. This movie's cool. Just open the elevator, just <laughs> just wind blowing everywhere. Fucking cool. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what I was trying to say, but it, oh, I was also gonna say the movie talks that a lot of the movie is sent at set at the Olympic Stadium that Japan was building right. for the 2020 Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. And Japan is actually going to host the 2020 <laughs> Olympics. And uh, so, Akira, prophetic in many ways. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, um, we don't actually have some kind of nuclear-like situation actually happening. Yeah, that would... Anytime soon, I or... Would, I hope for that as well. Yeah. Because <laughs> fuck, man. Yeah. Jesus. Some serious shit. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Not pleasant. Not pleasant. No. And the movie makes that pretty clear. It's not very pleasant. No. Not at all. I'm... This time through, I was thinking, like, how many people are dying in this movie? I'm like, the, people are dying on a very regular basis in this film. Vast scale. Sh- I mean, some people are dying. Yeah, especially at the end. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no shit. Uh, it, it, just, it just keeps escalating. Right. And, yeah, there's... I mean, and... I think there's 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 a lot more of this film that I I'm not even fully delving into all the layers right. like even with all this we've talked about there's more layers beyond that. Oh yeah, definitely. Just there's the a lot ideas of uh the nature of power itself like it's, there's there's this little speech that K yeah. gives to Canada when they're in the prison cell and and how yeah. much of that was her and how much of that was the psychic girl is it blurs yeah, there yeah. but um the the explanation of what Akira's power is yeah it, it's a very weird explanation and this kind of this idea that inanimate objects have memories and that you're accessing those memories and that knowledge right and I visually that that gets represented even at the end of the film where the after the big ball of light and everybody's yeah. stuck doing Canada's in this big ball of light and stuff you notice the rubble around him seems to be forming DNA Oh really? They're like in this oh, spiral wow. DNA looking pattern oh, that's that cool. he, and it's and I always see that and I'm like I keep thinking like I want to connect this to something like I, I've never right. I, I always feel like I'm not fully understanding that and that there's more to that. Like you say, there's more depth in right, that than right. what I'm getting out of it. But that's the thing that's that, that always I see as a sign of a great movie is that when you see something like that, you think, what is that? And you you feel like it's something I don't necessarily know what it is. But it's like it's something there, and like you feel like at some point you'll crack it. Yeah, yeah. And like a shitty movie, you'll see something. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's like a different. And maybe there's something behind the shitty movies conundrum as well. Mm-hmm. But you don't you don't feel like the director is putting it there for a purpose necessarily. I don't know how to right. describe like it's just, it, but it's it's there on accident or yeah. Just or because just poorly, yeah, you know? just like they couldn't get around it, or just were too lazy to get around it, or something. Right, and this movie, you feel like this guy knew what the fuck he was doing, yeah, and so everything that's there is, is a meaningful thing, and and right. can be, you know, de- yeah. deciphered. It it's definitely a lot of that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's kind of this is one of the, I think the early influential cyberpunk kind of things it's it never really strikes me as cyberpunk but at the same time it's styled very very much like a cyberpunk i was thinking that when we were watching it when i was watching it when we were watching it (laughs) um i was thinking like would this be considered cyberpunk i don't necessarily know what the definition (laughs) is of the cyberpunk i know that that people say like blade runner yeah, Blade Runner and the, is the uh, the novels of, of uh, what's his name Gibson William Gibson William Gibson yeah uh, those fucking, are kind of the origins I of feel the like genre. That's 
but I've never read any of those books. Um, um, have you? Um, well, I mean, Blade Runner, of course. You've heard that was the. Well, that's yeah. I mean, I read but that we read book. The, the book, but I don't but... know that that book necessarily would. Because that book to me is just a straight up Phil Dick book, but I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah, know I that mean, that would that be novel, cyberpunk. I don't feel it as cyberpunk. Um, I feel like cyberpunk is something else that then was laid on top of the movie. Yeah, I think the movie was more cyberpunk than the book. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think uh, Ghost in the Shell is very much a cyberpunk. Yeah. Um, personally, for me, it's like if you have cyborgs, you're le- you, you like that's that doesn't make you a cyberpunk, but that's. Yeah. That's one of the requirements, almost. Cyborgs. And I always, I always feel like some kind of a city, and it's like a dark night. <laughs> I don't know if that yeah, like it, it visually, has to be, some kind of like... Yeah, it, it's, it's, I guess cyberpunk, in the most basic sense, is a blending of noir with sci-fi. Oh, okay. But I think even that's not all of it. That's kind of the foundation of it. Yeah. But then there's more to it. Um, I think transhumanism is a big is a big part Ooh. of it. the The concept of becoming something that is not human. Yeah, and that's what I mean about cyborgs being a, an important that you're you're no longer a human. You're now a robot. You're now, right, right. Or you've now transferred your mind onto the internet, or you know whatever other right. There, there's has to be at least to some degree an element that of going beyond humanity. Yeah, and in a very dark and and dreary way right and technology being a big part of this and i would say akira definitely fits that yeah so akira definitely fits that um because like those those shriveled kids yeah yeah they're i guess human and they were at some point (laughs) i mean they do i guess show them early on in the flashback yeah they do show them as children yeah and and I always the one that's on like the little floating chair. Yeah, <laughs> he he looks like Louis Anderson to me, the comedian. <laughs> uh, so I just laughed every time he came on because it was I just imagine Louis Anderson. I don't uh, know if you know what he, he looks like, but he looks oh. like that kid. <laughs> I I keep seeing him and thinking of of like Professor X from the X Men because he's just he's stuck in this like yeah, floating wheelchair. Floating chair, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, He's got psychic powers. He's yeah, like right. talking into people's heads and stuff. Like that's <laughs> Professor X, weird shriveled Japanese kid. But yeah, but it was like, actually kind of funny in the in the um, the extra bonus features and stuff because I always yeah. thought he was just in a hover chair because okay. you know, you they, they've got like the hover bikes in the sewers that we were talking about. So I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah they got like floating machines. Like he's just on this floating wheelchair, and and they said in the special features that he's actually levitating it with his mind. Oh, he's okay. That so makes it's sense. not actually a machine doing it. He's just doing it himself. And that, so I was like, okay. oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Like I didn't realize that. Yeah, that and, makes sense though, because maybe was when they were doing those tests. Was there a kid like moving stuff with his mind, or was that just there? There was because there was a kid with the TV, 
There was a kid distorting the TV. There's there the, was the girl, the girl was, was was mapping out like circuit the, boards in a box that were like inside. <clears throat> you know, she was looking inside and like yeah, seeing whatever some, pattern right, was and inside there. And she's the girl that can like go inside people's heads and so right, of right. There do was that. a there was a kid. I kind of thought it was the other kid, but maybe not. Who was there was like a jar of liquid and things just swirling around in it, and he was just staring at it. And I kind of got the feeling that he was stirring it with his mind. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so there was there was that some kind of kinetic movement. I think there was some other stuff going on too, but yeah, there was definitely some okay. kinetic stuff going there on. There we go. All right. But like where you meet them in the movie, they don't really feel human. They feel like this other thing. Like what the fuck are these yeah. kids? They're all fucking <clears throat> shriveled up and green and so I guess the kid in the wheelchair isn't He's well, not a wheelchair, but it, you know. Yeah, and well, they're all kind of blue when you get them in the yeah. the same lighting yeah, together. That's true, they that's all true, that's true. are the same, but he seems the to have uh, been the least affected. He does. By, like, and the others look like freaking ninety year olds and ten year old bodies, but well, and that girl's like <clears throat> has to be in this little bubble. You know, she's yeah, the most she's, fucked up. Yeah, she seems pretty yeah screwed up. Maybe. They should have, uh, well, I guess they couldn't levitate their own things, but I just feel like maybe because this kid's riding around on his little hover throne, <laughs> you know, the, the the ravages of just walking around have an effect on him. Maybe. You know? <laughs> but at the same time, you do see uh, the other two kids, Takashi and Kyoko, you see them fly. They, That's true. They do. Yeah. They float around or fly. They teleport. They do. Yeah. So I think they all kind of have all the abilities. It's Base just they of, have... Yeah. Uh, certain talents in Strengths one, so yeah, that they are better at one thing than another. Yeah, but they can all do basic things that are you uh, that are general to all of them. Yeah, but I think with Tetsuo, you're really getting into the no longer human. Well, yeah, Certainly he really <laughs> he <laughs> really goes off the fucking rails. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, and and because too, like he's he's being given this power um that he's not ready for like yeah he he doesn't really know what to do he with. doesn't know what to do with it he's he's um it's just like this flood <laughs> of right. shit that just happens and he's like i don't how do i fucking control this and he's also like a fucking kid who has all this resentment built up about having to be protected all the time so mm-hmm. now finally being able to like do something about it and not need to be protected yeah he's like fuck yeah let's let's fucking <laughs> kick some ass <laughs> right and like right. it doesn't help anything you know like <laughs> like fucking no <laughs> but he's drunk on all this power and right right it's it's the dream he's always wanted to right have control, and now he has and it now, but... yeah he, now he's he th- or at least he thinks he has control. He has yeah. power, but he has no control. Well, at least at some at the yeah. beginning, he kind of like there's a like at the beginning he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Then there's a point where he's like he's like, got he does like probably about the point where he's taken out the the armies and he's yeah like, he's fucking like yeah let me get a cape on because <laughs> I'm fucking badass. <laughs> like about that point, he's pretty much in control. He right. knows what he's doing. He thinks he's badass, and he arguably is badass. <laughs> he's just pretty badass. But like, yeah, uh, then there are some just, 
great scenes of him just striding <laughs> around in that yeah. fucking cape. And yeah. I, I love how just as, and you kind of see this, grad, and going back to just the amount of fucking detail in this movie, like how he starts off in that, in that hospital and like every scene, like there's a little more of that hospital gown just ripped apart. Yeah. And just like, and by the time he's got that cape on, it's like all the explosions have just like blasted his hair straight yeah, up. Yeah. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just this gradual uh, evolution of him visually over the course of the film. Yeah, there there really is, and that was the other thing about the ending that laid, gave me that question about is is the manga like is that the middle <laughs> and there's half more because watching the movie to me, it doesn't seem like there's a lot that, that's been like cut out to sort of make it shorter. It feels like, yeah, there's things that aren't necessarily explained, but it doesn't feel like they necessarily need to be explained within the confines of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, like I had that question, like, is this the end? Because it doesn't feel, it feels like the end, but to know that there's more manga, it's like, where yeah, does it, it go? It's, it's it's basically, and he's basically cut out a lot of, um, like, Tetsuo as king is, oh, like, okay. a whole freaking arc. Oh, it's like, okay. he, it's not just, like, I'm going to walk to the stadium. Because in yeah. the movie, it's just as long as it takes him to walk that few right. miles to the stadium. He's in control for a while, and then he quickly... Yeah, goes and, out of control. And in the manga, he's kind of ruling an empire almost. The whole that city. Like more, he's, you know, that he's got sense. all these followers that yeah. he's leading, and the military is trying to get control of him. Right, and, and right. So there, there's a lot more interplay going on with that That's aspect. That's cool, though. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, know? so it's... it's it There's a, it's a lot different, but it, it's yeah. just more expansive... Uh, more drawn out in well terms i like of... that it's the same guy and that he was able to create these two separate but i mean i haven't read the book but i'm assuming it's great uh, <laughs> i enjoyed them separate quite a bit. like but equally great things that are like a, a different version of the same thing yeah and like he was are... able to sort of engage mm-hmm. the the material his material in it in multiple ways and yeah, be so happy with it and so. Yeah, it it kind of amazes me that he made the movie and the and the manga and they're so different and yet like cuz Right. Well, he must have had some kind of an idea where he was going. <laughs> yeah, I think that there was a little interview with him in the special features where he's talking about it a bit and he's like, "Yeah, I ha- I had to come up with the ending all of a sudden." <laughs> it's like right. I didn't know what the ending was going to be, but now the movie's got to have an ending, so I've got to right. come up with an ending now and it's just kind of so he had to figure all of that out with the... So he just figured it out. Well, I guess at that point, he'd been doing the the comic for a number of years. Yeah, it would have been like almost eight years, seven, yeah. eight years or so. So like so by it, that point... It would have been well over halfway. By that point, he had a he lot knows of the what's story happened, going on. Yeah. he knows what's going on, and, and he can just like, well, where the fuck is it going to go? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's cool, though. I like that. I don't know that any like it's just rare when a an author gets to adapt their own stuff. I know like Stephen King has written scripts to adapt his own things. Right. And stuff like but that, but he's directed anything, has he's he? He's directed one movie. 
Mm. Um, it's an adaptation of a short story called Trucks that was in Night Shift, I believe, the first, mm. the first uh, short story collection. The movie is called Maximum Overdrive, soundtrack by ACDC. Oh. And uh, it's about semi-trucks that come to life and uh, attack people. Huh. And uh, I, I think of that in connection with Stephen King. I'm just thinking of Christine, which yeah, there I have is not that, it, seen or read, but I know basically that's Chris, about a. There is a a killer car sort of thing. Yeah. I haven't seen. I haven't read Christine the book ever. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Christine the movie since I was like ten. Mm-hmm. So my my memories of exactly what is going on with Christine are are a little foggy. But um, I feel like like Christine is somewhat explained mm. as being like some sort of a possessed car or like I want to say there's reasons for the people that she's killing mm-hmm. <laughs> or the car is killing. But in Trucks, the short story, like it's literally just like a standard horror movie where there's a guy, a killer outside or whatever, but they're fucking semi trucks. <laughs> Almost like, like Night of the Living Dead. Have you seen the first movie, Night of the Living Dead? I uh, don't think so, no. Okay. Well, the basic premise of, of that movie and a lot of horror movies are people are trapped in a location, enemies are outside the location. Mm, it's yeah. ba- I mean, it's a basic sort of thing. Right. It's in westerns, it's in a lot of things, but it's yeah. very commonly seen in horror movies. And so in this movie, it's basically in in the short story Trucks. It's basically Night of the Living Dead, but the zombies are semi trucks. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, "How are we going to get to the fucking we got to get outside to, to you know get away, but how are we going to get away because this fucking truck is like revving its engine in the window at me and it's <laughs> I know it's going to get me you know anyway so the so Stephen King directed that movie and one of my favorite Stephen King quotes is about this movie <laughs> and somebody asked him Stephen King why haven't you made like why don't you direct another movie and Stephen King replied, "Clearly, you haven't seen Maximum Overdrive." <laughs> um, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I remember being fun. Um, I like ECDC. Uh, the the lead truck has this big fucking Green Goblin head <laughs> for a grill, and so it's very like very cool looking. But uh, it's one of those movies I've always wanted to see again. Yeah, that, uh, it sounds entertaining. It does sound entertaining, and from what I remember, it was fucking a blast. But yeah, so, you know, who knows? Yeah, who, yeah, maybe maybe it would be abysmal now. Who yeah, knows? I doubt. I I I imagine <laughs> I would enjoy it. <laughs> Based on the description, there has yeah. to be at least something in there enjoyable, right? Uh, about it. I mean, I like Stephen King, so I'm I'm going probably to like it more than the average person anyway. But. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how the fuck we got talking about Maximum Overdrive, but, oh, I was talking about adaptations and authors adapting their own work. I don't know that, Sam Fuller wrote novels and he adapted them to the screen, but it's a little different. 
I don't know that anybody else really. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch, but um, I'm trying to think. There's there's actually a funny story with Roger Zelazny. Um, I forget. He made a movie. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the story gets interesting. Um, is that he was he he wrote a story about um somebody who could see into other people's dreams. All right. And I guess I think it was Fox. Wanted to make a movie about this. Okay. About the same concept anyway. And at the time, this was a very new concept. And as far as they could tell, Zelazny had invented the concept. And they were afraid he was going to sue them. So they hired him to write the script for the movie. Okay. And once they got the script from him, they just threw it out and had somebody else write a completely different script and made a completely different movie. All right. But because they had hired Zelazny right, it, to this, input on it, right. he couldn't sue them over any kind of copyright violation. Right, so, right. <laughs> And what is this movie? I wish I could freaking remember. You don't know. It's been too long since I read about this. Well, son of a bitch. I'm going to think about dream movies. This is from the 80s? Maybe? 70s? Somewhere in probably that area, yeah, because this would have been... I'm trying to think of... I don't really know a lot about Zelazny, but I'm pretty... Like, from the he, covers and things, he seems he like was, 70s, 80s. He, I think he got his start in the 60s, Okay, but he was writing up into the 90s. All right. But this is one of, I think, one of his older ones, so I'm, I'm going to guess 70s era. <laughs> I don't know. There's, There's... I don't know. I mean, I could look it up, I guess, but... But, so there is there's a was, movie called Dreamscape from the 80s. Possible. I have never I've never seen it, so I don't know. Um Nightmare on Elm Street, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking uh, That one I'm pretty sure came later, but that one's That's early 80s, so you know, I yeah. don't know. Um I'm going to guess that's not it, but right because uh, I mean this was kind of the first time this concept was appearing or at least so early on yeah. that the filmmakers were afraid that they were going to get sued for copying his ideas. Yeah. Um, even though they were just taking a concept, not even the right. story of it. Well, but. yeah. Hmm. Well, I am curious to what this movie yeah, is. Yeah, I'd, I'll tr- I'd try and figure that out. It's in one of my six massive tomes of Zelazny crap, so it's a... <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, like a short story that he wrote and then... Yeah, and then... Okay. It, and then they just figured he was. They just w- wanted to get rid of the possibility of yeah. a lawsuit and and hired him, and then threw away his con- his input because they right. didn't want it in the first place. Well, that would be an interesting thing to do, just to watch the movie that they made and then to. I mean, I guess you couldn't read his script, but you could read his uh, short story, right? And sort of, not that there would be anything to compare, <laughs> but just right. like the the idea, just to see like. Well, this is what he did with this premise, and this is what they decided to do with this premise instead. Yeah, maybe like, there's... I don't a, know. Yeah, maybe that would be interesting, but yeah, I mean, I guess I guess the only other uh, author I can think of who did any adaptations of his own work would be Douglas Adams. He did the, like the radio plays and Hitchhiker yeah, Guide and stuff. He was the, or at least yeah, he was the writer for the the original radio plays of the Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. Then, I think he wrote the novels after that, and he did those as a solo project. That was just him. The novels were after. They were after. Oh shit! So oh, shit. <laughs> he also worked as a writer on the TV shows. 
There was TV shows of those? There there has been every medium known to man of Hitchhiker's Guide. There's been comic books of Hitchhiker's Guide. TV shows of Hitchhiker's Guide? How do I not know this? (laughs) I think it was like a BBC thing. It was just only like, it was like a mini series or something. I think I saw the first episode of it. Well, fuck, I want to see these. It was... It was a weird one. I got. It, I'm sure they're weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah. I can't imagine them being great, but, but like, probably 80s. Yeah, yeah. That would have been. That was pretty early. Probably, I guess, late 80s, based on when the books were written. Well, then, in the I mean, late so. 80s. They could have. Have you seen Red Dwarf at all? No, because no. that's like probably started in mid to late 80s, and that is a pretty high level of production. Like, like I mean, it's still a TV show, but it, but. I mean, they have models that they're shooting for spaceships, just like Star Trek and all this kind of yeah. stuff. So I, I imagine that they could do some pretty good yeah, stuff I'm, with them. I'm huh. remembering it being, and in general, it has. A, there's a very low opinion of that. Douglas Adams himself had a very low opinion of that. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it it does exist. Huh. It theoretically you can track it down and yeah, see it should you that. wish. Yeah. Um, there's an old computer game of Hitchhiker's Guide, an old text adventure. I remember that when I, I was a kid. I, yeah, I never I think, played it. But I think I, I played it on an on an Apple II okay. at school. Ooh, at school. Yeah, it was. Wow, uh, you were introduced early. Yeah, so that was. Uh, could never get very far in that because, like any old text adventure game, it's obscure as fuck. Yeah, those but, are <laughs> those are hard to do. Yeah. Um, there's so many random little things you have to do to, right? Like, oh, you have to, you have to feed this sandwich to a dog. Like, like why? Right, <laughs> like, right. But it causes some subtle chain of events that will, yeah, uh, ultimately screw you over if you don't do it. And well, and you only, it's just, there's no graphics on that one. No, the, no graphics yeah. at all. It's just pure text. Well, and so like those, they only understand certain commands yeah, too yeah, and so it's like, like it's, you know, a, it's a really you know, early text yeah. game that was like you know, yeah all all the problems associated with that right, right. that era and that genre um i think he did the writing on that so he he it's basically guy, yeah. did every friggin adaptation of that except the movie which was after he died the later like the u.s movie there's yeah. no other movie i don't think there is i ima- i always I, imagined there was another movie but um i don't think there was it was one of the weird things like it was it, it was in like limbo hmm. for decades like i guess the kind of the description i've heard of it was that somebody apparently wrote a really shitty script for it okay and put Douglas Adams' name on it, even though Ooh. he did not write a single word of it. What the fuck? <laughs> and so there was like this weird thing, like everybody hated the script and, and like attributed it to him, like, oh, he's a shitty screenwriter. Oh, he's man. like, I didn't do this. <laughs> like, That's rough. Nobody... But it like it bounced around from different company to company. Yeah. Um, I guess uh the director who got signed on to it looked at it, hadn't had 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 no idea what it was until then and then looked at it and realized it was something different than what he thought it would be and abandoned it and like it just it just hung around in huh. limbo and at some point it just got to the point where it was just so old that nobody did it hmm. and nobody wanted to touch it and it yeah. just it just had a stigma around it in Hollywood that nobody really wanted to deal with it and well it's a weird story and it seems like one that would be very hard to like bring to life in a way that 
that's probably true. Did you see the movie? Um, no, I have not seen the movie. Okay. I saw it once when it was in theaters oh. because it came out. Um, I had just read like the first couple of books just randomly, mm. and then it was like, oh shit, there's a movie coming out. <laughs> okay, and so then I went to see the movie. You know, oddly enough, that happened to me with Watchmen. Oh, really? Like, I checked out the Watchmen graphic novel from the library, and then, like, two days later, it's like, they're making a movie. I'm like, really? Wow. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> wow. Like, and then I went to, like, renew it, and it was yeah. just like, suddenly it was like, holds oh, all shit. down. Like, it was going to be like a year before you could check it out again. Oh, I was like, God. holy crap. Like, it just... <laughs> so I got it, like, just in time. Wow. <laughs> it was hilarious, but... Yeah, sounds like you uh, had that with a uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. I did, and so I went to see the movie, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I, it's not great, <laughs> and there it does a lot of things that are like not great in regards to at adapting certain things. Right, but like there's a lot of really well put together things. Like I remember the beginning, getting the beginning of the story really like well. Mm-hmm. Like getting it good. Um, I don't remember much else after, other than that. I remember there being a a depressed robot that was not in the book that they added into the movie, and Alan Rickman did the voice. Hmm. There is a depressed robot in the books. In the first book, I think he's in the first book. Hmm. Well, fuck me. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, it's been a while since I last read through those books, and I usually read them all together, so I might be... I haven't read all of them, actually. I've only read the first three or four. I'm pretty sure Marvin at least shows up in the first novel. He might not huh. be quite as depressed and uh, to the degree he becomes okay. later on. Well, then... But then I don't know what the fuck I'm thinking. Maybe he was in the first book, but he wasn't like a main guy because he's in the whole movie. And I want to say that he's not in the whole book. But I I, I'm remembering my rememberings from... I mean, he's there and he's... I don't think he's a constant presence in the book, in the first book, but he's he's there and he does some stuff. Huh. Well, I'm wrong, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> wrong. I don't remember. Um, I'll have to. I'll have to read those books again. I've always wanted to reread and then finish. I never finished yeah, for whatever a, reason. Yeah, there's there's actually a song about Marvin, the the paranoid <laughs> android. <laughs> oh, a, the the Radiohead paranoid android. Yeah, there's there's um, there's an actual uh, song on the Doctor Demento. Oh, show oh, that, on that. that. Was, okay, that uh, was about Marvin, and he was. Huh. Uh, this old, upset android that was miserable and crotchety and grumpy, <laughs> and he's he's bored one day and just decides to go through his uh, data banks and clear them up, and he presses a wrong button, and it plays this audio clip of someone saying, Marvin, I love you. And he's like, what? <laughs> Nobody's ever loved me. I am universally <laughs> despised. And, he, and he's trying to figure this out, and... He eventually, and he's like, but he accidentally hit the button, so he's not sure where it was. So he's, oh, okay. he spends the whole song just like trying to figure out where yeah. it is, and then at the end of the song, he finds out where he has it stored in his me- memory banks, and it's like, it's <laughs> like, but at least he knew where to find it in his dusty memory banks, and he's like, and now he could live 
miserably ever after. <laughs> like he can play it and listen to it whenever he wants, think about what he missed, and live miserably ever after. <laughs> it's just like, oh man. Oh, that's funny. It's a, it, it's a great little song. Huh. But. Well, the song, when you said Paranoid Android, I was thinking there's a Radiohead song called Paranoid Android. There might be some connection. And so yeah. I wonder if there's a connection. I don't know. I'm not a uh, super Radiohead person. I've like heard the albums a few times, but I, I'm not. I don't know lyrics or anything. So yeah, who knows? Sure. I have no idea which one is older or may have been referencing the other. I would de- definitely say that the Demento is older. Mm-hmm. Um, because would have been '80s, I guess. Yeah, OK Computer, the album probably is like fucking I don't know '94 or something like that. Mm. I'm guessing. Yeah, but or definitely '90s. Yeah. So it, it might be a reference to I am I'm to a, Marvin, I'm who I, I have be. I have heard him referenced as the paranoid android. Okay, although he's not really paranoid, he's more he's just like super depressed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But kind of depressed to the point of paranoia, where he just assumes everyone hates him. This is true. And so I guess I can see how you get to paranoid. Yeah. As a okay. description of that, but yeah, he is more just depressed and yeah. bitter than paranoid. Yeah. Hilariously <clears throat> so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and you haven't read all the books, so you. Don't I have get not. To, you, I think the best moment of him is uh, in the in the final book. I think. So yeah, one of these days I, I'm going to run through them all real quick because they're fast. Yeah, they're they're pretty quick. They're they tell fucking... a pretty coherent story arc from beginning to end. You know, that's what surprised me when I read the first one. I thought the next one would be just like, oh, some other adventure. And then it was like, oh shit, this is like the next part. Yeah, it, it you can kind like it can kind of end there at the end of the first book and just yeah. be like, yeah, that's the an ending, but it just keeps going and it's like, yeah, it's not really an ending to anything that was going right. on. And it just was so <clears throat> impressed by how uh like I thought the first book was like a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> and then I thought like, I was kind of scared to read an, another one because not only did I not know it was a direct sort of, this is the next step. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I, I, I've only read this one book of this guy. I don't want it to like crash my love of this <laughs> book. I don't, I'm right. scared. So it took me a little while to read that one. Then I read, I loved it. And then again, I was like, felt the same way about the third one. I was like, oh God, I don't know. (laughs) Like, when's it going to fall apart? I eventually read that one. And I don't know if I read past that third one. I don't remember. Hmm. But one day I will. One day. Yeah. Well, it was uh, written as a trilogy and then it became a four part trilogy and and, and then a five part trilogy. Maybe that's why. I don't know. He was uh, planning on writing a sixth book and then passed away before he could I do, actually do that. I remember but. something about that, and I think, they didn't they publish it in one of these anthologies um, They kind or of published what... Like part of it or yeah, something? Yeah, what, what he had done of yeah. it. And what he had done of it, he was thinking about scrapping and turning into a different stand, like a different thing and oh. doing something different. for. Okay. He was still very much in this early development oh, stage okay. of it. And he had, I guess, like three or four rough draft parts, or like not even full drafts, like oh, just yeah, parts yeah, of completely different drafts of what it would be, like completely different concepts of how that book would play out. Yeah. And so splicing those together uh, in a way that made okay. sense is kind of 
uh, was an interesting editorial challenge that yeah, they, they undertook. But because he was he was thinking apparently at the end that the concepts he had were actually what it was. It wasn't um, a hitchhiker's book that he was. It was a a Dirk Gently uh-huh. uh, book, which is his other series that is much lesser known. Yeah, and much smaller because it's only two books. Yeah, I, I've read them at some point. It's it's been thumbs up quite a while. I, oh, they're they're thumbs up. Okay, I'm, I'm giving, I imagine I, I have faith yeah, in I, Douglas. I Adam. love them every bit as much as the the oh, Hitchhiker's shit. books. So oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> and so he was <clears throat> writing the third book of that series, um, and then he was looking and saying, "Well, these concepts." would work better as a hitchhiker's book and i've wanted to write another okay. hitchhiker's book i'm th- and so he was thinking i'm probably going to take these ideas reconstitute them and turn uh, them into a hitchhiker's book somehow and then he died yeah and then poor guy yeah a, a, a tragedy to the literary world there but that's a shame yeah he was he was a great writer, and the more the more I learned about him as a person, the more I just think he was just a cool guy that yeah. I would have just he seems like loved guy, to yeah. have just hung out and chatted with at some point because <laughs> he just sounded like a really cool guy. But well, that's that's the way it goes with yeah, life. Unfortunately, y'all so. gotta pass away at some point. Yep, but <laughs> he he did do a bunch of random things and wrote so many of the adaptations to his yeah stuff. that's but i don't think he really directed them but in a sense the novels being a later form that he was in complete control of yeah that's an so, interesting yeah it's a, it's a very odd yeah it's a funny path to take yeah, with, yeah with he was definitely he's definitely an odd one that he he does he does not fit into a normal <laughs> yeah setup of things um <clears throat> so akira yeah akira anything else about akira i feel like we've uh um, wandered around for a while yeah i i would kind of say i kind of touch i went into this a bit more i i kind of want to just add one more little piece to the whole uh okay nuclear comparison tetsuo at the end where he's freaking out yeah we've got the giant baby yeah we've got this blob yeah thrown around Uh um i was kind of thinking of that as um radiation poisoning okay that you had that to tie that into the whole nuclear thing all right the side effects of the nuclear bombs okay and that i like it when that radiation, like people just didn't have radiation poisoning before then. This is true, yeah. Like this, this just didn't, or if it did, it was so weirdly obscure that nobody could identify or figure this out. It wasn't like a well-known thing, right? It would be some naturally occurring source of radiation that would yeah. hit some weird specific location, and, right? And certainly not to the effect that you had in. Uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Right. But you, and so you had all these new diseases cropping up, changes to people's bodies that doctors had never seen before. Yeah, okay. Had no concept of until that point. <clears throat> and so Tetsuo is is kind of once again this this showcase of not yeah. literally what obviously what would happen, right, but this right. this idea that you don't know what's happening 
their, your yeah. body is failing you in weird ways that are not right. what anyone can figure out. Yeah, no, and, I like that. That's cool. <laughs> that the human body just reacting in an unexplained, unknown way to mm-hmm. this uh, radiation or uh, or whatnot in the movie, but. Yeah, I and, like that. And, you know, as a, yeah, yeah. Kind of as, just as allegory to yeah, yeah, nuclear bombs and stuff. That's cool. I like and, it, and I think that that feeds into this kind of this transhumanism of him becoming this god, whatever the hell he becomes at the end, and right, and almost a non-physical entity. It seems at the end there, where you know. There's that whole glowing sphere that goes around. Yeah, and, yeah. And the kids jump into that. And there's this whole, like, what is going on there? And it's almost like they are becoming something else. Yeah, no, there's definitely, like, like transcendent moment where, right. where he is no longer human. <laughs> yeah, like, not even physical. It seems right. like he's some kind of just spiritual essence floating out there yeah. somewhere. Well, they, they talk about... There, there's a, like a brief mention of like, oh, it's another universe being created. Yeah, and, I mean, and shit like that, and and it's like, I don't know. And my like fucking a. My interpretation of that ending has generally been since high school when I was first good, that my idea is that they they literally caused a big bang, and that yeah. big bang was going to completely obliterate the known universe and that they combine all of their powers, Akira and the kids and all that combine all their powers to teleport it somewhere so far away that it's not actually going to, or at least not for a billion years or whatever. And that has been my interpretation of that ending. But at the same time, that ending is vague enough that you could see it as transcending to another plane of existence. Yeah. I thought of it as like interdimensional where they sort of, they all kind of uh, transcended into an alternate dimension. Um, I like your your where they go out far. You know, they they're teleporting out into space because they do show space, right? At one point, I don't know. I like it, and I like the ambiguity. I, I just it's a good movie. It's a fucking piece of art. This movie, yeah, it's fucking Akira, man. I don't know. For years, I've been like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Now I know. I've seen the light. Yeah. Uh, uh, feels good. Yeah, yeah, it's uh <laughs> it's it's a good one. It, yeah, it's, it's a fucking dope movie. Yeah, Seriously. It's, it's been one that whenever I see it, it's there's always something to think about with it and yeah. and it never seems to be complete in my head that I've got everything out of it that I could get out of the movie. So yeah. like any great piece of art. Yeah. There's there's just always keeps some you other, going, yeah. Some other layer or some other angle you can look at it and yeah. take away something new from. It's awesome. Yeah. So uh any other puzzle pieces? Um rattling around. That's all I've got at the moment. I all think. right. Well I, I will probably like end the podcast and I'll just be like, Oh shit, there was this. <laughs> right, but, right. Like, usual but yeah like i'm gonna think of the fucking flying car yeah character exactly. movie There's, at some point you know but yeah we've been a good two hours on this it yeah, looks like it's, so it's rolling rolling hard
hard with the Akira. Yeah, it's it's one you can roll hard on. <laughs> yeah, keep yeah. talking about it. There's so much to talk about with it. Yeah, you could almost run this as a commentary to Akira the movie. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be an interesting commentary yeah, track. I don't, yeah, I wouldn't just sync up. That's for yeah, sure. But yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll call it here. Um, that's the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, uh, feedback. If you have any feedback about Akira, uh, send it in. Um, if you don't have any feedback about Akira, feel free to uh, don't send it in. <laughs> <laughs> feel free to uh, comment on something else. Yeah, you could <laughs> comment on something else. Um, one of the many tangents or... Anything or a brand I, new tangent. Yeah, you could start your own tangent, I guess. <laughs> we are very tangent accepting here. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I guess that's it. Uh, I will uh, jump on my Akira motorcycle. <laughs> um, yeah, that thing was badass. Too. Yeah, that's a fucking badass motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. Jump on that thing and uh, say adios. <laughs> See ya. I'll pull your logo.